0: and Dickley, Vince Morata. and Morada mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: With a pro football beef.
0: Because we've got some fresh Angus between active NFL players this week. And it's not just between any two dudes. I'm talking about beef between a $230 million alleged franchise quarterback and a member of the 2010's all-decade team. But to set this all up, We've got to go back to that press conference, that press conference gem that Kyler Murray dropped on Sunday, right after the loss to the Chargers. Instead of taking responsibility for a critical fourth down INT, Kyler passed the buck once again, and he blamed it on the scheme. That was a
2: snippet from a uh, last week episode. A friend sent that to me from
0: The Jim Rome Show.
2: What is that? I can't believe he's doing the exact same shtick as 30 years ago. It's not the exact
0: same, Jarrett. He used to do the huge facts of the day. We got <laughs> some fresh Angus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you were bringing in 30 million bucks a year, you'd keep doing the same thing. But too, that right?
2: is the. Uh, we, we, we've covered this, but this is another example of. Um, You know, the press conference, Kyler Murray, after the loss to the Chargers, was asked to describe what happened on the fourth and inches play. And he used the phrase, schematically, we were blanked on that play. That has been cut and pasted now to describe Kyler Murray's feelings on the Arizona Cardinals offense as a whole and how he feels about the scheme of Cliff Kingsbury, which is incorrect. We've been critical on this show. I will admit that. But, man, that is so inaccurate and unfair. The context make, it, it, now, it's is it sexy? Yes, because everybody's talked about it. Everybody's talked about that soundbite from Jim Rome to Colin Cowherd to everybody nationally picked up on that incorrectly and described it. Now, w- Jim Rome did say something in that clip that is is correct in describing that play. We talked about it, Kyler Murray. You know, went through the progressions. Wanted to get the ball to Trey McBride. They shouldn't have been throwing the ball in the first place. But that was that was the play call. It was you could, RPO. You could
0: say that was a scheme issue on Cliff Kingsbury deciding to throw the football to begin with.
2: Once the ball is snapped, it's football. And Kyler Murray, in throwing a pass, had it intercepted. It was a horrible throw.
0: It was woefully underthrown. He didn't. He did not take responsibility for that. Do you want to know what's crazy? Pay attention, everybody. Throwing the interception was actually better than throwing the incompletion. It actually saved them because it turned into like an 18-yard punt. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, like if you want to get down to it, throwing the interception was actually schematically better than throwing the incompletion. Didn't matter. The completion started, would have been been scored anyway. Oh. Um, I, you know, I I, I know it. it I know it looks bad, but. <laughs> It actually saved them some field position by throwing the interception as opposed to the incompletion. As ridiculous as that sounds, it's true. That quote led to the Patrick
2: Peterson podcast comments about Kyler Murray cares only about Kyler Murray, and that's a fact, and
0: he clarified it somewhat, attacked other parts of Kyler's game. But remember, Patrick Peterson, who's probably not privy to the context of the press conference, was presented to the subject matter by Bryant McFadden as Kyler Murray is trashing the entire Kingsbury system. Yes. So that's what Patrick privy, Peterson is, is if, reacting to. So the whole gonna, thing is garbage. But if you're going to push your podcast out into the world, basically
2: you bleed over into the... You're a media member. You have a responsibility of what you're putting out there. Yes, McFadden was a ba- be accurate. Yes, you're,
0: McFadden's a bad podcast host. He should be
2: fired. <laughs> <laughs> that has led now to, uh, you, you know, during the bye week, players coming to the defense of Kyler Murray. Uh, Kelvin Beecham yesterday at his event, uh, offensive lineman for the Cardinals, was asked about Patrick Peterson's comments about Kyler Murray. Here's what Beach had to say. You know,
1: Patrick is, has been on the lead for a long time. Uh, he knows what to say and how to say it. You know, what I would say about Kyler is he's continued to mature. Uh, he's continued to get better in that regard. Uh, we know that by no means is nobody perfect. Um, each of us has flaws, but I think Kyler's doing everything that he can to make sure that he's putting his best foot forward week in, week out. Um, he's continuing to show up. He's continuing. To, to engage his team, teammates outside of the building, which I'm happy about. Um, and I think he's doing everything that he possibly can and growing and maturing. At the end of the day, some still 24 years old. Um, you know, Even though he has a lot of pressure and a lot of things that come along with that, um, he's doing what is necessary for him to mature and be the quarterback that we need him to be.
2: Kyler Murray is also accused by some of not really caring that much, not working that hard. They go back to that ill-conceived homework clause that was placed and then removed from his contract extension by the Cardinals. Another one of his offensive linemen, Lasita Smith, uh, came into uh, the building here and sat down with Eric Ruby and Tyler Drake on the Cardinals Corner Podcast and talked about the passion that uh, Kyler does have for
1: football. The guy really did not care I mean, he wouldn't be spending all—he wouldn't be spending the majority of his days in the building, mm-hmm. putting in extra work, watching film with Colt McCoy, the whole nine, and, and correcting guys like me, or even getting into it like, you know, I think a lot of people took that clip of him and D-Hop going at yeah. it and took it the wrong way, but if he didn't care, he wouldn't have even send it. He'd be like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I'll get you the ball when I get it to you. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. You know, He he— guys go like go they're they're both going back and forth like that because they're very passionate about this game that they love that they've yeah. been playing for some time now if a guy didn't care he would just sit back on the bench. i mean the guy he just signed that contract extension he is paid he has the money mm-hmm. if that's what people want to think it's about he has the money so why would he still be in here spend the majority of his days like i said doing extra film and putting in the extra work and going back and forth uh, with guys on the field about, hey, man, I'm trying to do my job, but you got to understand I'm going to get it to you when I can. Yeah. The whole nine. So people got to think about it like that. You got the money. He could very easily sit back and kick his feet up. Yeah. But that's not
0: the case. Mm-hmm. So there's passion there. Well, no, he's got a job. He's got to be at the facility. Um, also, let, let me let me also add to the Calvin Beecham thing about I, I need I need players to stop saying he's still only 24 years old. Can we stop saying that? First of all, he's 25. Second of all, enough of that. He's a grown man. He's a grown blank man. <laughs> He's been in the league for four years. True. Okay, enough of that now. If you're and, old enough to earn $230 million yes. in a contract. Stop putting that disclaimer in there yeah. as, if, as if it's to say like some of this stuff is excusable. It's not. And if you're going to say that, at least get his age right. He's 25. All right? So I always wanted to get that out there. Okay. Stop excusing that. No, I think that's fair. It's his fourth freaking year
2: as a starting quarterback. We've had discussions on Kyler Murray along this line, and, and being in Phoenix, Arizona, the, the, the parallel paths of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Ayton in different sports, there's a lot of parallels, a lot of comparisons that can be made. We took the gloves off. Yeah, I, I told Bick, hey, DeAndre Ayton's in his fifth year. As an NBA starter. I've defended the guy, but yeah, I, I got to the point where you can't say, oh, he's still young, he's still learning. You got your contract. It's a it's a different animal now. And I think DeAndre Ayton has responded well to that. But yeah, there still seems to be a lot of people internally taking up that, that point for,
0: for Kyler Murray. Oh, he's still young, he's still learning. And DeAndre Ayton's a third banana on an NBA team. Kyler Murray's the quarterback. That is the lead. That's a different animal. And the that's one banana. area
2: where they are not parallel. You're exactly right
0: about that. More, more is expected and demanded out of Kyler Murray. That is the nature of the position. And that's why you're paid $230 million. But I just still am frustrated by um, the
2: inaccurate depiction of what Kyler Murray actually said. That was, that was soundbite journalism right there. We're all guilty of it at certain points, but man, it's been pretty widespread on this particular front. And Kyler Murray's got five games now to shut people up. Will it happen? We'll see. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if the mood around the team is is where it needs to be uh, for for that to happen. You can text your thoughts to the Fanduel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next. We saw a matchup between two of the NBA's early season MVP candidates, and one of them stepped up. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring, in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Bickley
1: and Murata. Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona
3: Sports, the local sports leader. It's a a lot tougher, um... If you go zone, he sees gaps to the paint right away. You're caught in between letting him score 40 or letting him do what he did tonight, get 30 and everybody else get corner threes and threes at the break. He just had a really good rhythm. If you give him the same defense over and over again, he figures out a way to pick it apart. And they have guys around the
2: floor that can make shots. Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns, after his team got beat by 19 last night in the game that wasn't even really that close in Dallas, 130-111. to 111. Mavericks take it. They jumped out to a big first-quarter lead, coasted the rest of the way, and a game that was described or defined by a few things, Tim Ring. Uh, obviously, the three-point shooting, 23-pointers made, uh, everybody getting into the act, uh, which was a, a recipe for their success, the Mavericks' success against the Suns in the playoffs last year. But all of it is orchestrated by Luka Doncic and how the Suns choose to defend him. Uh, and there wasn't a whole lot of resistance last night uh, against Luka, who kind of did what he wanted, hit a lot of step-back threes, made it look easy, even though he's not a great three-point shooter percentage-wise but his distribution of the ball and finding open shooters with very little in terms of uh, resistance or closeout was very frustrating
0: now, for the Suns. Th- and their offense the Mavericks I'm talking about is is pretty basic. It's it's give Luka the ball and everybody else goes stand go stand in their spot. Yeah. Right and then and Luka does what he what he does and he gets a high screen and he either tries to score off that screen or everybody else spots up and he finds them. And for some reason, when the Mavericks play the Suns, all those supporting cast players turn into uh, Steph Curry. Neither here nor there. Vinny, if you can't defend these guys, your chances of winning the game come down to, well, can can you hang with them with with your own scoring offense? Mm -hmm. And the Suns early on in this game. To me, the game was lost. In the first quarter, uh, the Suns had a dismal shooting first quarter. I mean, they they scored 15 points in the first quarter. Devin Booker goes scoreless in the first quarter for the first time in in three years. Two two hundred and two consecutive games, he had scored a point in the first quarter. You, I mean, Devin Booker goes scoreless in a game in the first quarter in a kind of a marquee matchup. Are you kidding me? You know, the Suns weren't knocking down outside shots, so they decided to put the ball on the deck. They got a lot of they got a lot of good looks at the rim, and they just weren't falling. I mean, some of them were contested. Some of them were in traffic, but they were not knocking them down. Campaigns, floaters weren't going. uh, Booker going strong to the rim wasn't going. DA wasn't knocking down his shots. You know, so the Suns, their field goal percentage in the first quarter, 26%. So you're you're down by 18 after one against a team on their home court that was feeling it. Like, there was no comeback happening. Not like the season opener, when the Suns kind of felt the juice of their home court and were able to come back from 22. That wasn't going to happen last night. The Suns got it to 16 in the third quarter with about six minutes to go, and you thought, okay, a couple stops, maybe another 5-0 run, get that thing to 11, maybe. But once it got to 16, Hardaway hit a three out of the corner, back up to 19, the game was over. Yeah, and
2: watching that game, I don't know if you felt the same way, and a lot of it is credit to Dallas and how they handled things, but they never... Left the door open a crack for the Suns to walk through. Like to get to sixteen was an uphill struggle, but once they got to sixteen, it never felt like the Suns were poised to make a run. But based on their own actions and what Dallas was
0: doing, no, you. It's one of those deals where when you fall behind by eighteen in the first quarter, in real time, you think to yourself, "Well, it's the NBA; everybody makes a run." But when the game is finished and you look back, you say to yourself the Suns were never going to make a run in this game, <laughs> that the door was never going to be cracked open, they weren't shooting it well enough, they weren't defending well enough, yes. and they didn't have the firepower because of the injuries to make a run True, to get back in the game. I mean, listen, we all love Ish right, but you go from really not being a part of the regular rotation to being in the starting lineup. But it was the same roster that scored 130 the day before in San Antonio. That's a G League team video. But here's
2: where, like, here's where it gets a little bit concerning at this point. And it's just a Suns Mavericks issue. I'm not talking about the Suns big picture. It's how they match up against the Mavericks. I agree with you. Even if a game gets sideways in the first quarter, most times the team that got sideways will make a run. Three out of the last four times, the Suns have played the Mavericks. Things got ugly early, and once did the Suns make a run. And they made a run and won on opening night. But the other three games, game six and game seven of the playoff series and last night, it was over early.
0: That's concerning to me. Some of that has to be on the coaching staff, does it not? I mean, what, you, know, Monty talked about it. We had the the clip earlier trying to defend Luka, right? So you say you, you can either let him go for 40 or 50 and stop the other guys or... Try to you know Uh defend it a different way. Let Luca go for thirty, but whatever they're doing is not working, right? So they come out of the gate. The Mavericks do, and they they blitz the Suns, and the Suns fall down big. To me, it's just a matter of okay, you know, let's get together as a staff. We're going to break out that whiteboard, break out the film, see what other teams do to have success against the Mavericks because clearly they do. I mean, they came in a 500 basketball team. Yeah, I mean they're they're not unbeatable, and a lot of it has been Luca's going
2: off, and nobody else is getting involved. To me,
0: that to me that 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 would be the strategy right I mean to, to, don't don't let don't let Hardaway and Dinwiddie combine for 10 three pointers yeah and and again that does concern me but on the flip side of it the part that's not
2: concerning is last night was a very visceral reminder for Suns fans of one of the most basic elements of basketball. sometimes the ball goes in and sometimes it doesn't. For Dallas, it was going in. They were presented open shots to their credit. They hit those open shots, hit 23-pointers. Devin Booker was otherworldly for a three-game stretch, was named the November Player of the Month because of that otherworldly three-game stretch where it looked like it didn't matter where he was, if he was open or not, the ball was going in. That has not been the case in the last two games for Devin Booker against San Antonio and Dallas. He's 11 of 29 from the floor, two of uh, five from three-point range, which is still okay. But uh, he, he was shooting at a 66% clip for three games. Sometimes the ball goes in, sometimes it doesn't. I think the Suns will be fine. Um, and now, you know, now there's going to be some eyeballs on them tomorrow, especially if Chris Paul comes back against the Eastern Conference, the, the NBA's best team. And the Boston Celtics, who are 20-5 and five coming in and rolling right now, that's a tough game
0: for the Suns. It is, and then you have a tough one on Friday night in New Orleans, yes. right? So let's not forget that either. So it, the games are getting a little tougher now. And you wonder you wonder if we're going to see Chris Paul now on Wednesday night. Monty said after the game last night he just doesn't know. You said earlier you think the Suns do know mm. if, if Chris Paul's going to play tomorrow night. They know that already. We're, we're, we're going to find out. I wonder... I don't know the status. We don't know the status of that injury with no. Chris Paul. But here's what I do know. If, this is a big if, but if they were buying time with Chris Paul, like he he's okay. But, you know, listen, we're winning games. We're playing teams like the Knicks and the Spurs. You know, we can beat these teams. We're playing the Rockets, even though they didn't beat the Rockets. But you know what I'm saying. Like we're we're winning games. We've got a six-game winning streak. Let's let Chris Paul heal up, get some rest. Keep miles off the odometer. After a wake-up call last night, mm-hmm. and now the Celtics are coming in, and you got to go on the road against the Pelicans, you wonder if we're just going to see Chris Paul out there tomorrow night. Like, all right, Chris, let's go. It's go time. Yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, it's a tough, I mean, it's a I tough, don't tough know. game for him to come back into I don't, I don't play know, against it,
2: a team like that.
0: It'll be interesting to see, though, if they're like, all right, let's go. Go time. Uh, this stretch,
2: not fun for the Suns. At Dallas, home against Boston, back-to-backs. Well, with a day in between, they've got... Two straight games in New Orleans against the Pelicans. Then at Houston, a team that just beat them, even though they're young. And then at the Clippers before they come back home. So this is a really, really rough, this is the roughest stretch of schedule we've seen the Suns go so through so far. There's no good time to bring back Chris Paul. So yeah. if, he, if he's ready to go, yeah. let's get him out there yeah. on Wednesday. His extra thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, our weekly visit with the uh, legend of the Arizona Coyotes, Shane Doan, Chief Hockey Development Officer for the Yotes. That is straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the
0: local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
3: Doan scores on the rebound!
0: Shane Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal's gonna go to the captain. Captain Coyote. By Shane Doan sends a one hopper on next! He scores! The captain! The Coyotes legend Shane Doan. Up early to talk Coyotes hockey with Bickley and Murata. A shot by Shane Doan. He scores!
2: Every uh, Tuesday we talk hockey and whatever else pops up with uh, Coyotes legend, Chief Hockey Development Officer Shane Doan, who joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Donor, good morning. How are you?
3: How are you guys doing? I'm hoping my phone works. I'm trying to find the right spot. It already so sounds like crap. Whoa! No. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Tim. Tim, firing shots. Come on, Tim. Tim. Donor, <laughs> where are you, Shane, right now? I like it. I like it. Where are you, Shane? Uh, can you uh, you guys can't hear
2: me? Now we can we can now. But where where oh, are you? Goodness. I'm at my house. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't <Dome> manner. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's
3: it's this neighborhood. so
2: uh, It seems like it's been six years we've been talking about this road trip. But it probably feels that way for, for the Coyotes. Another one-goal loss last night, but uh, the end is coming close. I, I think I counted five one-goal losses uh, on this trip, uh, Donor. I, I mean, how close is this team to being able to compete right now?
3: You know what? It's a testament to the guys that in the – you look at what, what – the Islanders did last year who went to the Stanley Cup, to the conference finals for the East, the East conference finals, two years in a row against the Stanley Cup final winner and won seven games against them. They had a similar start to this year as we did this year. And I think they went two and 14 in their first 16 games because of the road trip. And how close are we? It's, It's hard to tell, but I do, I have been so impressed with our guys' willingness to, Continue to compete, and it's a testament to the guys and to the leadership and to and to Andre Tarney as a head coach and his coaching staff that they've never. They just keep. They keep going. They keep. They keep fighting. They keep going, and it's a tough, tough situation.
0: Donor, do you think the guys almost are looking at? The end of the road trip as the end of like a separate season, like almost like a mental, a mental hurdle break has been put to bed. And starting with Boston on Friday, December 9th, back at home, it's like, okay, now let's try to get back to some normalcy, a normal schedule and try to rack up some W's and play like a normal team going forward here. Is it, is it possible that's the way the guys might be approaching this thing? I think there's no question that
3: they've divided the season into kind of two parts. The first up until December 9th, where you're trying to get through everything, and then you try to get going after that, and you try to be somewhere relevant after that. Um, and then it's lovely that the team that's waiting for you is probably the best <laughs> team <Right. laughs> in hockey when you get back on December 9th. But, uh, I mean, at the beginning of it all, I don't think we were thinking Boston would be the best team in hockey, but now when you see what they're doing, it's pretty impressive.
2: Hey, Boston finally uh, got a defeat on their home ice, so there's that. They're they're beatable, Shane. At least we've, we've seen yeah, that. yeah, in overtime.
3: In overtime, <laughs> when they still got a point at home, it's crazy. How good they've
2: been. Talking with so us. it's
3: it's
2: going to be a battle. Yeah, talking with us, Shane Doan, uh, Coyotes' chief hockey development officer here on the Arizona Sports line. In terms of some of the personnel on this team, we know Jacob Chikrin's back. He's been very involved offensively. He's got points in four of the seven games that he's played. Uh, even while he was out, though, Shane Gostisbehere has been uh, very reliable uh, as a scoring threat. Can you just talk about that duo and what they give the offense uh, for the Coyotes this year? <laughs>
3: yeah ghost has been incredible he was incredible last year and it's you know we talk all the time about what's wrong with a player and what is it that you know why is he struggling and, and when you you look at something that ghost is what he went through the year before in philly and it really is such a mental game like i don't care what sport you're playing your mindset is so important and i think uh i think that's why I, Andre Terney so valuable as a as a coach on this team because he's able to get people to that spot where no matter what's going on around them they they seem to have success with inside his system and now you're looking at Jacob Chickering and you're looking at Ghost and those are two guys that are so valuable and so important to us and they they provide so much offensively. They're both wanting to join the play. They both have kind of a unique skill sets as ghost is so deceptive and, and Chick is so powerful and shoots Puck so well. So they're both kind of complementing each other, and, and it's just nice having them both on the ice at the same time.
0: Hey, Donor, I know the organization was excited about the Tempe City Council voting seven nothing to support the new uh, arena entertainment district proposal uh, last week, and now you guys look forward to that that May sixteenth uh, being put uh, to a local uh, referendum. But I, here's what I wanted to ask you in regards to that: you know, Gary Bettman comes in and shows his support. You know, he doesn't just issue a statement; he gets his butt on a plane. And- and comes out here. Man, oh man, we've all been through the ringer with this thing for seemingly a decade plus. Gary Bettman has had so many opportunities to pull the plug on hockey in this market, but man, he has stayed behind this deal forever and ever. So really a two-part question. Your, your thoughts on Gary Bettman's unwavering support and the league support to keep NHL hockey in Phoenix... And also, why do you think that's Ben? Why?
3: (laughs) You know what? Um, Mr. Berman and I got to know each other when he was our owner a lot better than I probably ever dreamed I'd ever get to know the commissioner of the league. And um, we we talked and, and talking with him, I think he sees what everybody else sees, that this is an opportunity here to have a city that's growing the way that Phoenix is without a doubt, but also the the people that come here tend to be from the North where hockey has done so well. And there are so many transplants and the Canadians that come down from, from, from Canada, snowbirds for the winter and the ability to have the corporate, kind of support as more and more headquarters seem to be flocking to the Valley. And, and, the, and obviously the size of the Valley, I think it's the fourth largest TV market in, in North America. So all of those things add up to making it, I understand why it, it, he would want to fight for it. And then on top of it, there's, I mean, he, he thinks it's the right decision. Like he, he just does, and and when you look at it, and and what I from what I've seen, and hey, I've I believe that from you know probably the third or fourth year that we were here that this place could not only be one of the staples, but one of the flagship organizations if it's done right. And you have to have ownership. You have to have the building. You have to have everything kind of lined up. And uh, and if you do that, then the success that we could have would be. It would be great, I and mean, you look at what the Suns have done, and when they're when the Suns are competitive, it's been so hard to get a ticket in this town to get to go true. to the Suns game, and, and true, and same with the same with the D-backs and the and the Cardinals, and you just when you have the the right. I guess ingredients to make that all work. This is a place that there is there's great sports fans here and they cheer for winners and it's an event based town and so you have to make it an event. And if you do that, you'll not only succeed, you'll thrive and and I think that their their analytics say that and then I also believe that in his heart Gary He's somebody we've talked about him many, many times, and I've expressed my love for this place, and he's he understands that. And at the same time, he's I think there's an element of he sees how just justifiable it is.
2: Yeah, and I think when this building gets done in Tempe, Donor, I use this line. I'll use it to you too. The Coyotes should retire Gary Bettman's number.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, I'm in. Cause we're the one place that he should probably never ever like. You know. An ongoing joke in our league when he presents the Stanley Cup that they boo him. Mm-hmm. I I hope and pray that there is a day that I get to watch us get presented the Stanley Cup instead of booing each as they cheer for him because <laughs> we would definitely uh, we, he would definitely deserve it. Absolutely,
2: Donor. Good to talk to you again. Uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate good, good it. Shane <laughs> Doan, Coyote's uh, legend and chief hockey development officer, Shane Doan, joins us weekly here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Also, a weekly guest will shift gears to uh, college basketball. Sun Devils off to a great start, 2-0 and in the Pac-12. We'll talk to their head coach, Bobby Hurley. Next, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring, and for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: This is the Sun Devil Fast Break with ASU men's head basketball coach Bobby Hurley. The Sun Devil Fast Break is presented by Arizona Four dealers. Devin gets it to Luther Muhammad and Luther, they haven't fouled him, he holds the ball and the game's over. And Arizona State for the first time in the Bobby Hurley era starts Pac-12 play 2-0 with
2: a pretty 68-64 to win over the Stanford Cardinal, It's Tim Healy. Final call on uh, Sunday as uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils move to 2-0 in the Pac-12 uh, under Bobby Hurley, their head coach, who joins us right now here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, not an easy one, but a good one, Bobby. Congratulations on the win and good morning to you.
4: Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, it was, it was a good week overall to... Uh you know to start out in Boulder on Thursday and uh you know extremely tough place to play very good team a team that had beaten uh top 25 Texas A&M by 25 points and Beat uh, you know um, upset Tennessee and to go into Boulder and win the way we did and the dramatic way uh, that we won that game I think uh, carried over some and you know with our confidence uh, in Sunday's game versus Stanford.
2: Yeah, Doug Tamaro had pointed out to to us, Bobby, that uh, this is the first time under uh, under your tenure as head coach that the uh, Sun Devils have started off two and zero in Pac twelve it, it's kind of amazing. But what does that mean to you, momentum wise, going into the rest of this conference schedule?
4: Well, I mean, it's great now because we don't play another Pac-12 game for a few weeks, so you, you had those pocket of two games. And, uh, you know, when you're able to, to get ahead of the curve a little bit and, and put a couple of wins in your pocket, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, you feel good about where you are. And now we, uh, you know, we dive back into uh, the non-conference play as we'll, you know, practice today and then travel to Dallas uh, to play SMU uh, tomorrow
0: you know to be fair to bobby it's only the fifth time in 46 years they've been 2-0 in the pack 12 so it's been, it's been an elusive 2-0 start for crazy few
4: and school well, history Tim, when you have guys like uh you know Warren washington who's uh, a veteran guy that's that's your center and a and a very good shot blocker and uh, finishes around the basket, and he's diving on the floor, yeah. you know, for a loose ball out by half court, and then tipping it down, and then Jemiah Neal is diving on it at the other end, and and you're having a guy like DJ Horn after a turnover, you know, run down their guy, laying the ball in, and the six foot guard is pinning the ball on the backboard, then uh, it's going to help you get out to a two and zero start.
0: Yeah, and Bobby also you're making making key stops down the stretch and hitting key shots and. Making free throws. I mean, that's always a, that's always a good recipe for being able to close out games. And sometimes the margin for error. Yeah, I mean, we
4: really relied on our defense a yeah. lot. I think uh, you know, it's uh, it's something we did versus BCU holding them without a field goal for like eight or nine minutes uh, to win that game and. Uh, in tight games you got to be able to get stops and we've been able to do that and uh, and find a way to win Bobby Hurley the head coach of the
2: Arizona State Sun Devils our guest here on Arizona Sports uh, we've talked so much uh, in our early season visits Bobby about the depth that you have this year with some transfers coming in uh, with the weekend that he had uh, Des Cambridge hitting the shot in Boulder and then taking over in stretch time against Stanford he really looks like he is comfortable stepping to the forefront as a leader of this team can you talk about what he's given you uh, early on this season?
4: Yeah, I mean, Des is uh, clutch shot making, and, and that was on full display in in Colorado, uh, you know, hitting the, the game winner, um, and, and then certainly uh, as you touched on in the Stanford game, being a a guy that that shot a really good percentage in that game. Uh, you know, he had another. You know, Pac-12 Player of the Week type of week. You know, I uh, mean, he's already won the award once in, in the in the, in the, in the two game stretch in New York. The way he played against Michigan, especially, so uh, in, in these big games, uh, you know, he's showing up. It's not only the scoring though. He, you know, he brings a personality to our team. He's very vocal. Uh, you know, very animated out there. So we, I, I know the guys enjoy playing with him. You
0: yeah, know, Bobby and Frankie hit a big three to close out that Stanford game as well. I mean, how much of a of an asset is it or a help to the basketball team where you have multiple guys that can hit big shots in big situations down the stretch
4: yeah i mean that's certainly helpful i think uh, dj horn's another guy and and frankie uh stepped up in that moment uh you know that was a big time shot to give us the separation we needed uh, at a very uh critical moment but frankie's another guy that just. Uh, makes winning plays you know he plays to win that's his main priority so you know whether it's getting a stop on defense or finding his teammates or penetrating to the basket you know he's uh, he's a guy that's invested you know in winning
2: I'm always curious too, uh, Bobby, from, from, from your viewpoint, uh, to have, uh, you know, a a pair of brothers on the team and Des and and Devin Cambridge. There was a couple times in the Stanford game I noticed maybe after a play didn't go right on the defensive end of the floor, there was some real animated communication going on between them. And I guess just, I, I mean, brothers just communicate differently on the basketball court, don't they?
4: Yeah, I think they were both blaming each other. If my memory serves me correct, but uh, um, you know, but they're they're great, um, and then that's what brothers do. Brothers, you know, will argue occasionally. Um, I know from experience on that, um, but yeah, they're, they're great. Um, they're, they do uh, they bring different things to the table. You know, two guys that. Uh, you know really are a different type of players but but do so much for us. Uh, Devin does so much of the dirty work. He's just uh, really good on defense and rebounding and you know gets our team really going with with the lobs and his his plays in the open court and uh and he's making timely three-point shots. So both of those guys are really contributing to what we're doing.
0: Hey Bobby, interesting two-game stretch now. You go on the road uh SMU. And then I, I don't want you to look ahead obviously, but since we don't have you before the Creighton game, you know that but that Creighton Blue Jay program, man, they've really elevated over the past decade. They're they're ranked right now twenty one. So just talk about this. Just so you don't I just just so I don't ask you to look ahead over SMU. Yeah. Give me a give me a breakdown of the two game stretch, including Creighton.
4: Well, I mean this is the first year head coach, Rob Lanier for, for SMU and uh so we're, you know, we've we've learned how to win on the road with the Colorado win, and uh, uh, you know we have some unfinished business left in, in the state of Texas, you know, because we, uh, you know, we went to Houston, and the only game we've lost this year was that was uh, was at Texas Southern. So uh, we got to try and make amends for that and continue to to develop and get better. And that's what we're going to talk about today in practice. That. You know we've we uh, have established ourselves with our record. We're putting together a great season. Season we should be more inspired to to want to practice hard and prepare the right way uh, to, for SMU tomorrow. And then as far as Creighton goes, I mean they're an elite offensive team and you know projected to be one of the better teams in the country. And you know they're going to be coming off a loss to uh, Nebraska, so I'm sure uh, at home. So I'm sure you know they're going to be you know highly motivated um, you know for their games in, in in Vegas this weekend
0: yeah they have an elite big man and uh, Ryan uh, Kalkbrenner he's a player to keep an eye on averaging about about points a game hey Bobby before we let you go we'd be uh, not doing our job if we did not ask you for an update on uh, Marcus Bagley well at the moment Marcus is, is
4: away from the team and uh, you know we have you know, we're going to support him in any way we can and that's basically all I'm going to say about it all right sounds good
2: Bobby, uh, uh, thanks so much week, for guys. the time. You, too. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Good luck. B- thanks, man. Sounds good. Thank you. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest uh, every Tuesday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings as they uh, do have a tough two-game stretch, SMU and Creighton, as they uh, break away from Pac-12 play before they get back into it in a couple of weeks. But 8-1, and one, right on the precipice of being uh, ranked, uh, they – you know the the 25th ranked team, Ohio State, 81 points in the AP poll. Sun Devils got 20 points. I kind of expected them to have a little bit more. Only two Pac 12 teams ranked right now in Arizona and UCLA.
0: Listen, we're going to find out more about this team obviously during during conference play. But Vinny, I think what what excites you right now is they look like they have the makings of a potential NCAA tournament team. They're 8 and 1. They do. They could they could rack up 10 or 11 non-conference
2: wins and they're relying on what we thought was a strength going in. Their size? And their uh, defensive depth. They play they, hard. They play really.
0: They hard. play hard. They're among the best field goal number, percentage defense in the country.
2: In the country. Yeah. Uh, so thanks again to Bobby Hurley for joining us. Coming up next, we hit the nine o'clock hour with some sho- social, st- social, study. social 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 studies. Kingsbury. <laughs> <Close in. laughs> That's coming up next. Uh, I'm going to get, the, rush? I'm gonna get the, the mouth loose uh, to, to participate in social studies next. <laughs>
0: Shuckery, sugar <shuckertash. laughs> time.
2: Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Josh Rosen.
0: <laughs> You've been listening to the Sun Devil Fast Break with ASU men's head basketball coach Bobby Hurley. The Sun Devil Fast Break was presented by Arizona Ford Dealers.